0: middle of the country but not middle of the road opinions it's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world Wichita. wichita kansas and beyond with tommy castor and weston mills this is
1: keeper of the games hey thanks so much for checking out keeper of the games i'm tommy castor along with weston mills we are the podcast that talks all about sports topics in the air capital, Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can connect with us on this podcast. First and foremost, make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games, you'll be notified. You can find us on all major podcast platforms out there. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, PocketCast, pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Keeper of the Games. On top of that, you can also also watch full episodes on youtube and facebook just by searching for keeper of the games and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at CogPod. we're back for another episode weston how are things going man
0: pretty good uh like like we talked about before the show man a lot of the same it's just uh really kind of grinding through this summer it you know it feels like such a different summer than I mean, all, this is an obvious statement, but it feels like such a different summer than, than what we've ever had. It almost feels kind of like you're like more back like we're grinding through a winter when you're like, man, we just got to keep going. We want to get to those, you know, those summer days. Well, now it feels like, man, I just kind of want to get through the, you know, this next month and kind of get back to some norm- more normalcy
1: yeah without a doubt, I mean you know they, it's just it 's weird. I mean, I think that there was a a glimmer of hope for a while that maybe this thing was going to end, and then you know now obviously uh you know covid cases are are increasing in different places around the country, and that's kind of thrown some more doubt, you know, especially when it comes to the sporting world about how things are going to go and what things are going to look like uh, and then even like you know it's just been bizarre in a lot of different ways, including the weather i don 't know how it is in Kansas City, but it's been really hot here in Wichita. And I know it's June. I know it's summertime, but it's feeling more like late July, early August mm. with this heat wave that's that's going, you know, going through this part of the country. So, uh yeah, it's just kind of bizarre, like a lot of different things happening that uh, are unusual.
0: I will say though I finally got to uh get a little uh, I I'm a big daily fantasy sports player and I know we've talked about my um, not so much love for golf but I've been uh, getting a little golf DFs action and that's made me feel like I'm back in, in you know with my normal sports mode even just with the last uh, last weekend's tournament. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt. I, I actually put money on Justin Thomas, uh, with the, the Charles Schwab challenge to, uh, to win. But then I also hedged my bets with him with the top five finish and a top 10 finish, which he did make it in the top 10. So I didn't lose all my money, uh, which was good. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, we're, we're not talking about a whole lot of golf today, but it was great to see golf back over the weekend. It was a little bit different, but at the same time, any kind of live sports, uh, is good in my book right now.
0: Yeah, I will have to say though, three of the the six players I picked, which at this point I don't even know if I remember, I've already entered a lineup for this week, but three of my six missed the cut. So not a not a good week for me.
1: Yeah, for sure. The RBC Heritage is uh, this weekend's tournament, so uh, hopefully you'll have better luck uh, this weekend for sure. We've got a lot to talk about on the podcast today, but before we get started, we want to thank our friends at Title Boxing Club for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, Right now, they've got a pretty cool promotion going on right now that includes a 90-day unlimited pass and free hand wraps as well. They're located in the shops at Tallgrass at 21st and Rock Road. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, You can also go online. You can search for them on Google, Title Boxing Club, uh, East. Wichita uh, to get all the details about the special promotion. And of course, we want to thank them for sponsoring Keeper of the Games. With that, what do you say we get right into the big topic of the day? Now, Weston, we already had our run of show set, what we were going to talk about. And then there was kind of some breaking news. We're recording this on Wednesday evening on June 17th. Uh, But the big news has to do with Major League Baseball, which we've talked about quite a bit over the course of the past couple of months and actually even before then, right at the beginning of covid kind of about what was going to happen with the baseball season. And it's been in limbo and a lot of question marks around it. Uh, Definitely a roller coaster where, Sometimes it looked pretty optimistic that baseball was going to be coming back at some point, but then recently pretty pessimistic as both the owners and the players have kind of been at an impasse as far as figuring out a deal for the 2020 season. Now it does look like, and this has been kind of ever changing over the course of the last several hours uh, from the time that we're recording this, but it does look like the owners and the players at least are making progress towards a final plan, which at one point, even just a few days ago, didn't look certain at all. I know that we're a ways away from it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what this proposal looks like. But I would imagine that th- there's got to be at least a growing sense of optimism uh, from the players, from the owners, from fans, that maybe there will at least be some semblance of a 2020 baseball season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think this kind of just echoes to some degree what you and I have been saying for for weeks on this now is ultimately money money talks. And and they're ever, the parties, we're going to find a way to make this work for both sides. You know, I you know, I don't know whether the owners were kind of bluffing when they said that they were going to be losing money, you know, if they ran an x number of games and the players called their bluffs, but nonetheless, whether the truth or not, there was a way for both sides to find money to be made here. There's just too many too much too many high dollars to pass up and not get this done. So it sounds like from according to, there was kind of a little bit of um, it was Jeff Passon, and I can't remember who was the other guy that was kind of breaking the news. Was it Ken Rosenthal?
1: Ken Rosenthal was a part of it, John Heyman's been a part of it too, John as Heyman. far as kind of breaking it down,
0: right? Right, John Heyman's who I was thinking. So, and they've kind of they're in a I don't know about so much a different uh disagreement of what the proposal says, but um, basically. More or less, it looks like we're kind of looking at a sixty-game season. The players are going to get a pro pro rate, the full prorated salary, and um, then there is going to be a increase in playoffs for both this year and next year. And I'll be honest; I am unclear whether they're saying so. It's, I mean, the word he's using is expanded playoffs, and I don't. I would take that to mean more teams, but I'm also not positive if what it's me- if there's some sort of financial ob- implication. Now, obviously, more teams mean more players that make the playoffs get playoff money, but I don't know if it also means there's in- any type of increase in revenue share with that. Um, you know, I think that would make sense, but I was just not 100% clear from what everyone was saying what exactly that meant.
1: When this news first broke uh, around mid-afternoon or so on Wednesday afternoon, it really looked like there was pretty much a deal in place. I mean, that was kind of the initial reports. Uh, and a lot of it stemmed from Commissioner Rob um, Manfred and uh, Tony Clark from the union who came together. They had a fairly productive meeting, the two of them, to try to figure something out. Well, since that time, and you know, obviously, uh, the later that you, know, you listen to this podcast, things may change because it's kind of like we mentioned. It's kind of ever changing uh, as the you know this recording goes on, but as of right now, at least a couple of hours later, these writers that were reporting on the deal to begin with have sort of backed off the terminology of the word "deal" and they've kind of replaced it with the word "proposal." Like nothing is done yet. And it, it does there there are reports that the players are not super thrilled with it, you know, and that there there still may be more negotiations to come. They're not super thrilled about the the number of games. You know, players want to play more games, and that's been one of the big sticking points for a long time. You know, the the players were coming back with, you know. Many more games being played. The owners were coming back and saying we want to play fewer games, and, and really it comes down to money, right? It comes down to the more games you're playing, the more that they've got to pay, you know, these players. Uh, but but it does it doesn't sound like as of right now the players love the idea of a 60 game season, uh, and it, it wouldn't shock me if they were able to come to an agreement somewhere around that number. It might be closer to 70. Um, You know, I know the players would love to have, I think ideally in 80, 81 game season, that way it's exactly half, you know, of what the normal season would look like. Uh, But at this point, you know, I really don't know if there's that big of a difference between a 60 game season, a 65 game season, Seventy. I mean, like really, at this point, let's just play some baseball. If we're only getting sixty games in, that's better than nothing, and that you know that that really saves the game, in my opinion. You know, I, I tweeted about this uh, twenty four hours ago, and it looked like there was not going to be a deal at all. And the commissioner came in and was kind of pessimistic about anything actually happening, and, and I basically said. This threatens the future of the sport altogether. You know, if every other major sports organization can figure something out and it comes down to the money being the impasse between the owners and the players, that completely threatens the future viability of baseball, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there because I feel like this is, you know, there's there's all sorts of waves we go through in sports. Like the one I think of at the top of my head is when, when players were kneeling for the Anthem and there was an outcry of folks saying, I'm done with the NFL. Ultimately, you know, and I'm going to steal this from big cat uh, over at Barstool. You know, he, he kind of, his take was as a sports fan, what are you going to do? I mean, you say you're not gonna, but if you love the Royals, you're not gonna tune out the Royals because of you know some shtick that happened last year. And and I, now I do say to your point, I think where you run some risk as a league is that casual fan, and that's kind of the, the balance you want to keep. To real, I mean, if baseball wants to move back, I mean they've been past obviously a long time ago by football and passed by the NBA. And they're really the third sport with hockey, you know, right there on the backside and, and maybe even you consider golf too. And that it's kind of its own category, but you got to have those casual fans if you want to really grow the sport. So I do get it from that aspect. I, I, I think a lot of it though, is, I mean, they're, they're really the only thing going typically in a summer. Um, but w- one thing that I do think is, is interesting with this, that the players want more games and I get that, the money is the reason why they want more games but essentially right now the proposal is 60 games in essentially 70 days i think is what i saw which that's a lot of baseball to be playing back to back to back to back and i would imagine that if you know they're trying to push for 70 or 81 games you might be forced into an even tighter window and at that point you know i think i i wonder if the players in in the mlb PA will essentially run themselves into a window later on down the road. If there are, you know, questions of safety and those kind of things, they can be pointing back to this and say, Hey, look, you wanted more games and less days back in, in 2020, when that was going on. And, you know, why are you pushing for it now? Now baseball doesn't quite have those same strong safety talks that you see really football, I think is probably the, the sport that catches the attention of that mostly. But I do think this is kind of an interesting thing that the players are pushing for, um, with the caveat, I completely understand more money is always the driving driving force in that that talks. But you know, I think it is something that would be interesting to see if that gets brought back up later on down the road in, in future negotiations with the MLBPA.
1: You know, every sport has labor grievances like that. That's just what it just happens. You know, when when you've got a a big body of employees and they're represented by a union, and it, there's a lot of money involved, there's always going to be negotiations. Sometimes those negotiations break down. You're going to have lockouts. You're going to have strikes. You're going to have work stoppages. Those things happen and they happen in every major sport. But at the same time, I'm not sure that there's a sport that has it as frequently and as uh, heated Historically, as baseball has had between the players and the owners, and you know, the last time that something this big happened was back in 1994, and and with the 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 strike that the players went on uh, that canceled the World Series that year, that was a huge blow to baseball. Now, obviously, the sport itself has survived over the years, but I'm not sure. I would say the sport has thrived. I mean, maybe financially, in some cases, it has. But at the same time, you know, you were just talking about the big three and even the big four in sports and with hockey kind of right there, you know, baseball kind of, in my opinion, as far as overall popularity lags behind the NFL and the NBA. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with just sort of the style of the game. Uh, But but also I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the, the business part of the game has gotten in the way. So many times over the course of the years, this is a, a blatant, uh, a blatant example of that dispute that has been ongoing forever in major league baseball. And it just is ugly. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it, it's sad to me as a baseball fan to know that there are other sports that, yeah, they might have some labor grievances over the years, but nothing like in the world of baseball. I'm hopeful that they're able to work something out. I think they will. But as far as the optics and as far as the PR in Major League Baseball, this has not been good for the game.
0: Yeah, and the only thing I'll add to is I feel like baseball in the last few years has come so far in trying to push this narr- push away from this narrative that baseball is like a rich suburb sport you know with the cost of travel teams and gear and and all this year round baseball that was making the sport so expensive for young kids to grow up and enjoy and they've done a i feel like they've done a great job over the last years to to push into urban communities and really try to help grow the game and then when you put something like this you know essentially a money dispute between Billionaires and millionaires, and and what I've said before, we're getting lost in the shuffle of those kind of those fringe guys who, I mean, they make a lot of money, but not like that. Um, But nonetheless, what is seen in the media is this argument between billionaires and millionaires. I think it kind of pushes back in that wrong direction of of that stereotype that they had previously of you know, hey, this is this sport is just for rich rich folks in the suburbs, and um, you know, I don't think that's going to help the game at all.
1: Well, and when you look at you know the the reason why all this started, nobody's at fault. The players aren't at fault, you know, because of COVID nineteen. The ownership is not at fault because of COVID nineteen. Major League Baseball is not at fault, but the way that they've handled it, uh, it's not that's not been good, you know, optics whatsoever. And I would argue that now more than ever, people people want to watch baseball. Like they want to, they want their sports back. This is the time of year. There's a reason why baseball has always been called America's pastime. You know, and they haven't had an opportunity to be able. To escape, you know, from what's been really heavy over the last few months or so. Hopefully, they're able to work out a deal. Uh, but here's here's kind of a couple interesting things about this deal uh, before we move on. So this is the overall framework between Manfred and uh, and Tony Clark from the union. Uh, so of course, we talked about the 60 games at 100% full prorated pay, waiver of grievances. So the players' union cannot come back and file any kind of grievances against the league. 16 team expanded playoffs for 2 years universal designated hitter which i think is big uh and several other uh, other things as well now the players again this is all from john Heyman. uh the the players don't like the 60 games but really their only other option is to turn it down and then the commissioner will be mandated to put in a 50 game season. So it's right now it's either kind of around that 60 game deal or the players could turn it down and play less, uh, which is not what they want, you know, whatsoever. So uh, th- there, there is some work to be done. I think you and I are both hopeful though, that, you know, within the next 24 hours uh, or maybe even 48 hours that they'll at least be the framework of a deal in place.
0: Yeah. I I, I'd be willing to say that for sure within the, I I, I will bet that within the next 24 hours, a deal will be, I would even say done, other than, you know, the small details or or of signing or whatever, but they'll, they'll be able to announce, hey, we're starting baseball again on this date. I think the, this is a lot of last second posturing
1: to get that small little
0: detail here or there that either side is wanting, but I I think it's, it's all but done at this point.
1: You know, the one question though, to, you know, everybody has in their mind that very few people are actually talking about is, Hey, if they can work out a deal, that's great. That's awesome. But the only thing that's for sure about the COVID-19 world is nothing's for sure, you know? And so they might be able to put a deal together, but you never know, you know, the way that, you know, health things work out. And, And we don't know what that means for fans in the stands. We don't know there's a lot that could happen. You know, what happens if a player gets infected or a team has an outbreak or, you know, so everything has got to be a little bit fluid, I would think, uh, but at least having, you know, being able to take steps to at least make progress, to have an attempt to get the sport back. And I think that would have been the saddest thing in the world. If all the other major sports were able to work out something in Major League Baseball, Couldn't even attempt to get a season restarted. I think that would have been really sad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially since baseball is really primed to handle this kind of COVID crisis or a health crisis, maybe more so than any other sport. Just because, you know, one player, you know, has to be out for a little bit really doesn't, uh, I think, affect baseball like it does other teams, whether it's a starter, you know, a, a LeBron James gets sick and the Lakers, you know, that's a huge blow for 14 games. Same with the, you know, the NFL, you get a quarterback or even like, even just a starting corner or, you know, I mean, you can think of any position that could really make a humongous difference as opposed to baseball. Not that, you know, obviously Mike Trout's a big loss, but it's just more of a fluid sport where a guy's hitting 320 while his backup's hitting 260. You know, it it is numb. It's more of a nominal difference there. I think um, oftentimes than not.
1: You got a pitcher that might miss a start or two. Right. You know, like it's kind of like they go on, they go on the the fifteen day DL, you know, mm. for for a while. I mean, right. I, I get it. Like it's not good, but to, you know, the, I I agree with you. The consequences are not nearly as dire, I would think, in the world of baseball if someone was infected by COVID than in, in another sport for sure. So we'll keep you posted on on all of that and the details. And you know, as soon as there is a deal that's reached, um, we'll make sure to post that on the Cogpod Twitter for sure. We're going to transition into football and talk about. COVID. COVID uh, and, and kind of hitting a little bit close to home. And that's just up the road in Manhattan at Kansas State University. Uh, reports coming in that several members of the Kansas State football team have tested positive for COVID-19. Originally, there were reports that Two student athletes attested tested positive, that number skyrocketed up to six, and then was brought back down to four. So it looks like as of right now, there are four positive coronavirus tests within the Kansas State football team. Now, obviously, we're nowhere near the start of the season right now. So it's not like it's going to impact that whatsoever. But I would have to think there's got to be a little bit of concern in that program that now you've got at least a couple players testing positive.
0: Yeah. Of course this news comes down probably a day or maybe two days after I had retweeted uh, the story from the keeper of the games Twitter account that no one had tested in the Kansas state athletics positive for, and that, and that just goes to show the the fluidity of this and the fluidity that it's going to, I think really carry all the way through fall and it's going to be interesting with with college sports and, and and really how everything kind of gets handled from here on out. Um, you know, you've heard I think I heard like Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and I'm sure it's other programs. Those are just a couple that I heard about where they're having players sign a pledge that you know they're not gonna they're gonna wear a mask when they're in public. They're gonna you know, quarantine for 14 days, if they get sick, they'll get, take their, have their temperature getting checked every day and and making basically kind of helping, well, really cover the university on any type of liability issues they may have if, if a player, uh, you know, were to get sick and actually, you know, be harmed by this.
1: I certainly don't want to get into a discussion about, you know, the players being compensated. We've talked about that at length on this podcast, but I would think that if universities are wanting players to essentially sign waivers about the coronavirus, but yet they're not willing to compensate these players for, for playing and they're sacrificing potentially or risking their health for no compensation whatsoever. I think that's a perfect reason why it's past due for these players to start being compensated. I don't want to start a discussion about it, but I just wanted to get that, you know, thrown out there for sure. Um, I I agree with what you're saying. You know, I think that uh, you know, That there should be at least a little bit of a pause. Uh, And and I think that it's important that whether you're in Manhattan or you're in Lawrence or you're in Wichita or you're at one of these universities and you're starting uh, your your sports schedule again, you're starting voluntary workouts, you're starting in-person practices, you know, things like that. I think it's a great wake up call and a great example that again, the only thing that's for sure about coronavirus is nothing's for sure. And so you may have the, the, the most well-intentioned plans on how you want to run things. And then all of a sudden four members of your team get diagnosed. They have to be quarantined. Uh, you know, you have to keep everybody else away from them. That can really throw a wrench into preparation and practices and workouts and things like that. So I, I think that we're going to see, assuming that there's a season at all in college football, uh, I think we're going to see, some different kinds of preparation. I think you're going to see teams at different levels of preparation, depending on how how badly their program has been impacted. Uh, I, I think it's just going to be kind of a bizarre year where nobody's really quite sure exactly how things are going to go.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think from a competition standpoint, I think it's going to give a fairly large leg up to, to the, the bigger programs and the bigger universities. Not that they, I mean, obviously they're bigger programs for a reason, but you know, when you've got, I, I think to really help manage the situation, it's going to take some money and some resources from the university to be able to do it. And I think those who have a bigger health department, athletic training department, football department, athletics department, whatever, you know, I think it's really going to be able to, to help. Protect themselves, the players, and ultimately what that does is put a higher quality product on the field. Um, But it it will definitely be interesting, especially when you have, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids, most of whom, if they test positive, are not going to, you know, feel like they have any symptoms, not going to want to be held out. Um, I will be curious to see if the NCAA or big 12, any type of conference mandates, certain things be done because I have been in locker rooms. And I think more along the concussion lines where guys weren't going to go report symptoms because they knew what was going to happen. If they reported those symptoms, they were going to have to sit out. And so I would imagine that would be a very, very similar thing here, unless there is some sort of mandate from conference or the NCAA as a whole saying you must test temperatures every day. You must, you know, check, you you know, I I don't know what else they would do other than checking temperatures. Um, I I don't imagine they would have the infrastructure for all these college teams to be handing out actual COVID tests, you know, once a week or once every other week or something like that. I mean, maybe, Um, but outside of that, I I think you're, it's going to be very questionable how this gets managed.
1: Well, and what I think is really interesting, uh, it, it, and, and I think it's telling about how this is going to continue at programs all over the country is, you know, and you're, you're the one that tweeted about it a few days ago, that the university came out and said, hey, we don't have any positive tests at all. This, this is awesome. I mean, they initially reported no positive tests and then boom, boom. Now there's four. And, you know, these were players that while they may not have been interacting with other players in the in the scheme of workouts and things like that on campus, they without a doubt were fraternizing with teammates outside of practice. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder, all right, if there are four and these guys are close and they're eating together and they're hanging out and they're playing video games and they're doing all this stuff together. If there's four, there's gotta be more. uh That's just the way that it's gonna have to be now, depending on how significant the symptoms are, how significant their cases are, who knows uh, but at the same time, I would imagine especially in a college setting, you know in apartments and dorms and things like that, it's just gonna be ripe. For this, you know, sort of thing to spread. And I think that that's, that's outside of the context of athletics necessarily. Like I think just in general, I think colleges have a lot to be concerned about with in-person classes resuming in the fall potentially. And I know a lot of colleges are changing the way their schedules work and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I think it's, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's going to be really interesting to see how these universities manage this. And right now it's a little bit easier because we're only talking about workouts it's going to be even more interesting to see how they manage it come this season and when it's game time and how is it going to be reported how is it going to be tested what's the contingency plan how's it going to work if all of a sudden all your quarterbacks are taken out. How's it going to work if your entire defensive line gets sick? What are you going to do? Uh, I think it's just going to be really interesting to watch how it's going to develop.
0: Yeah. And the and the other aspect from this, and, and maybe it, it's a little bit of a broader discussion about COVID as a whole, but the other thing that we're looking at here is we're talking about college campuses and then obviously college football teams. You've got 18, 22-year-old kids. Ninety nine point nine percent of those kids that get it are going to be fine. I mean, that's just that the way it's going, that age group is you know not at risk really. So, at what point also? But and I guess where this is going. So, at what point you know do you say okay, we're not so much worried about them having it, but the problem being right, you've got sixty five year old special teams coach, you've got a seventy year old you know or a forty five year old head coach who's you know overweight. Or, you know, the, you've got a college professor that had recovered from leukemia. You know, I mean, all sorts of those little aspects. It's it's it'll be interesting to see what what, if anything, they can do to maybe let those college kids live in their own bubble or be in their own bubble as much as possible. So that it's saying, hey, look, it's going to happen. We're going to have kids that are going to get this, but they're going to keep it within themselves as much as possible. I mean, and I, I, I'm not suggesting that i know the answer to that or I mean to how to, to to do that or or whatnot. I just there are things there that make college athletics I think such a more unique situation than what we're looking at with the rest of the world or professional sports.
1: And, and, you know, kind of on a quick side note, uh, Jeff Long, athletic director of the University of Kansas, uh, he he was doing an interview, uh, like an in-person type question and answer deal. And he was kind of talking about what, uh, in his mind, what he thinks the football season is going to look like. And, and pretty much everything's on the table, you know, like th- there's really no definitive answer. So that could be potentially – no non-conference games. You know, maybe you're only playing teams in your conference and not a bunch of traveling all across the country. You could be playing conference opponents more than one time. Uh, you know, th- there could be situations where the stadiums are 50% full or maybe they're 100% full or maybe one game they are 100 but then all of a sudden there there are cases and that drops down to 50. So, I mean, the the bottom line is that I think the the key word is fluid. Everything is going to be fluid with every program, every sport, uh, every situation is going to be different. There's not a one size fits all solution. And even when you have a plan in place, like we just talked about with major league baseball, that plan can be disrupted in a second. And so uh, again, I I wouldn't get too comfortable with any of these sports. I mean, I would take it on a day-to-day basis, enjoy it while you can, because you never know something might happen. Like I was, you know, thinking about, you know, PGA tour golf and they just announced that for the second straight week, there have been zero players, zero anybody that they've tested that has tested positive. That's awesome. But what happens What happens when somebody does? What happens when 10 people do? Or, you know, will that tournament be canceled that week? So I think that you can enjoy it while it happens, but I wouldn't make too many plans about predicting how the entire season is going to go in any sport.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect point for you to bring that up because I, that's why I've been enjoying golf, even though I don't normally, because I'm just happy to have something in front of me right now.
1: Yep, without a doubt. So of course, we'll keep you posted on what's happening uh, in the world of, especially in Manhattan at K-State, as they now have four football players that have tested positive for COVID-19. We're going to stay in the Big 12 and we're going to stay talking about Big 12 football. We have not talked about Oklahoma State University at all on this podcast. And and really primarily because it's a different state, but it's not that far away from Wichita. I mean, you know, Stillwater is only about maybe just under two hours away from Wichita. Uh, so it's really not that far away, but we don't think about Oklahoma State as being super close. However, Oklahoma State football has been in the news over the last 48 hours or so, and it really all comes down to head coach Mike Gundy uh, and the drama happening in Stillwater with the T-shirt that he was wearing and a social media post uh, that uh, that was all about the OAN, the One American News Network. Uh, several players, including his standout stud running back Juba Hubbard, super upset about it, went to social media to talk about it. uh, and, And that has caused pretty much national news centering on Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. It looks like at least on the surface, things have worked out between Gundy, the university and his players. But it leaves me wondering if maybe there's more going on behind the scenes. What's your take?
0: Look, I I don't think – I think this is a story that the media loves because it's something to talk about, um, you know, especially when it involves other news networks and this and that. But ultimately, here's the thing. Mike Gundy is the head football coach of Oklahoma State University. Uh, He got in trouble or his player did not like him wearing a – you know, the OAN shirt, which is a – it has been uh, promoted as a far right-wing news network. Um, particularly Chubba, I think, was upset because of the, the network's stance on Black Lives Matter, which I'll be frank, I actually don't even know what their stance is on Black on Black Lives Matter. But nonetheless, what, OAN being a far right news network or being promoted is, as such, I don't think the folks of Oklahoma and the donors of Oklahoma State University are going to be worried one bit about Mike Gundy um, wearing a overly conservative shirt in the deep red state of, of Oklahoma. And that's ultimately, I think what matters to the university and any worry that Mike Gundy may have of, of his job being in jeopardy.
1: I agree with you about the donors and about the, the red state that Oklahoma is. And ultimately, you know, I, I don't think that that is going to have a lot of bearing. But at the same time, we talk a lot about optics on this show. We've talked a lot about PR. Uh, and, and also, I do want to say Mike Gundy can wear whatever shirt he wants to wear. He also has to accept whatever the consequences are for the shirt that he wears and for the things that he says and what he does. You know, so he people who are saying he's not he shouldn't be allowed to wear that shirt in his position. They're flat out wrong. He can wear whatever he wants. He's just got to be willing to accept whatever those consequences are for wearing whatever it is. Uh, And and I think that's kind of where the disconnect uh, disconnect happens. What I think the bad the bad optics are on this is showing that Gundy in that moment was out of touch with what's happening in the culture today and a culture that a lot of his players feel very strongly about and are personally affected by. Uh, I think that was tone deaf. I'm not, I don't think it's going to cost, it's not going to cost him his job. Uh, I think that he's had several blunders that maybe the sum of all of those blunders altogether might eventually come back to bite him. But this is just one of, of several things that Mike Gundy has said or done over the years that he's kind of stuck his foot in his mouth or kind of been a little uh, tone deaf on different things like that. But at the same time, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's sad that you've got a head football coach. That, you know, when you look at the players that he's got, a majority of them are are probably African-American and just not knowing what the – you know, he's wearing a t-shirt, okay, whatever, but not knowing what that t-shirt represents in the minds of his players, there should be a stronger connection between the football coach and his players, in my opinion.
0: So I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you at the same time because I, I think the, the facts of, of what happened don't actually – present with with him being out of touch of what's going on with his players in that locker room. And, and here's why I say that. I consider myself a pretty, I don't know, involved in the news, involved in, in I, you know, I have a pretty big follower of politics. I know what's going on. And and not that, that necessarily Black Lives Matter is a political movement, but just the news, what's going on. I, I consider myself to follow it to a very high level, I think. I would be willing to bet and and at 18 years old, at 22 years old, I could have, there is no chance I could have told you what OAN is. And granted, I know it's a fairly new network, but my point being any, when I was 18 to 22 years old, I have a feeling the majority of those players in, in the locker room aren't paying attention to what OAN is now granted. And here's where I'm agreeing with you. I think if there are, other things going on or other comments he's made directly showing that he is out of touch with, you know, the black lives movement and what's going on with his players. I think that would be, that's where I would agree with you. Like, Hey, he's got to know what's going on with his players and you can't be tone deaf, Don't tone deaf of what's going on. But I just don't think that him wearing this t-shirt represented that with 99% of his players. You know, and I understand Chuba Hubbard felt that way, and that's fine. He, you know, again, just kind of like what you said, Gundy can wear the shirt; he has to be willing to, to deal with the consequences. No problem. Even if 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 I, Mike Gundy, you, anybody disagrees with Chubba Hubbard, then no no problem. I mean, he can feel the way he wants to, and he can absolutely be upset with his head football coach. Um, and, and so then, I think circling kind of around on all this, I think where Mike Gundy runs a risk if he starts getting himself. A label as a coach who's not in depth, and ultimately that affecting recruiting. Because long term, I'm sorry, short term, if you don't think that university's picking Mike Gundy over Chubba Hubbard, who can only be there for uh, two more seasons, you're dead wrong. They're picking Mike Gundy every time. Now, if if that's representative of a bigger thing that hey Mike Gundy can no longer bring players of the caliber of Chubba Hubbard did now that's a totally different ball game and that's where Mike Gundy then runs a risk of being not being the, the head football coach of the Cowboys anymore
1: you know Mike Holder is the athletic director at Oklahoma State we talked about him on the last episode as we you know ranked uh, talked about the rankings of the the Big 12 ADs Mike Holder inherited Mike Gundy uh, Mike Holder did not hire Mike Gundy. He's been there the entire term uh, that Mike Holder has been athletic director. This would be a huge hire for Mike Holder if he had to make a change, I'm not saying that he is, I'm not saying that he will. What I am saying is that, you know, one of the things that I I know that some people have argued is, well, you know, winning means everything, you know, so he can wear whatever t-shirt he wants. As long as he wins, that's going to be fine. You know, but the thing about Mike Gundy is that, yeah, he wins at Oklahoma state, but does he really, I mean, he wins games, but does he win the big 12? No. Does he win huge BCS bowl games? No, he doesn't. So really at the end of the day, yeah, he's a, he's a winning football coach. He's the face of that football program. He was a star quarterback for that football program for a long time, but it wouldn't be the, the, the biggest, hugest, shocking news in the world. If eventually the Cowboys win in a different direction, and it could be because of the lack of big time national success, but it could also be compounded by some of these blunders that Mike Gundy has made over the years. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, he's, he's been tone deaf on the the two biggest things that are happening in the world this year, black lives matter and COVID. He's the one that said that the players needed to come back and that really, if they got sick, it wouldn't be that big of a deal completely disregarding the fact that there could be other people in the in the program at the university in the community that can't afford to get that disease and all of a sudden you've got players that could be you know transmitting it to them so he's been tone deaf on a couple of different areas i think that's a big problem
0: the only other so the only other thing that that I'll add about mike gundy is and maybe i'm speaking out of turn because obviously i do not know mike gundy on a personal level, but he really strikes me as the kind of guy and i would assume his players probably know the kind of guy he is but he strikes me as the kind of guy who his life is 92% football and 8% anything else. So I mean to expect or to know, to think that Mike Gundy knows that the, the inner workings of what's going on with COVID is, you know, I think his players probably cut him some slack on what he says. And same with, you know, wearing an OAN shirt, knowing the depth of what that network has put out there. And again, that's not me saying it's right, wrong, this or the other. I'm just saying we've all, maybe not, maybe we all haven't, but a lot of us have had those coaches that you just know that the type of person they are, man, their, their world is through the lens of football. It, it, first and foremost with everything. And, and so you kind of take the other things they say with a grain of salt and I, that's not to excuse anything they say or do. But again, this is going back to ultimately what matters is what the donors think of Mike Gundy and what the players think of him. And I think a lot of, Of them probably go, you know, oh, that's just coach Gundy. Obviously Chubba Hubbard didn't, but I, my inclination would be that maybe a lot of other players go, yeah, that's just coach.
1: My hope would be that if Mike Gundy does pretty much live his life through the lens of football, that's great but I would hope that he would adjust that a little bit moving forward and, and live his life through the lens of his players. And and that's really the important thing is to make sure that these young men are being shepherded. They're being mentored. They're being coached. They're, you know, they've got advocates in their corner. Uh, They've got strong men that can help develop them on the field and off the field. That's the goal. Uh, And, and, and so I would hope that, you know, especially with these, these couple blunders that have happened, I hope that that will open his eyes a little bit. He did issue an apology uh, where he said, I had a great meeting with our team today. Our players expressed their feelings as individuals and as team members. They helped me see through their eyes how the t-shirt affected their hearts. Once I learned how that network felt about Black Lives Matter, I was disgusted and knew it was completely unacceptable to me. I want to apologize to all members of our team, our former players and their families for the pain and discomfort that has been caused over the last two days. Black Lives Matters to me. Our players matter to me. These meetings with our team have been eye-opening and will result in positive changes for Oklahoma State football. I sincerely hope the Oklahoma State family near and far will accept my humble apologies as we move forward. My final thing I'll say about Mike Gundy is that I hope that's sincere. I hope that's legitimate. uh, And I really hope that there is positive change uh, that can come from there and that he can start to have at least greater empathy for what his players are going through.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's something that a lot of college coaches are probably talking about with their players or you'd think that they were talking about with their players as as the season comes comes up, whether that's college or professional, uh kind of getting a better grasp of of what's going through the the minds of of their guys.
1: The final thing I'll say about the topic as a whole is that I don't know if you did you see the picture of him in the t-shirt I and I did. Okay, so he was at Lake Texoma, he was fishing, and the picture was from a fishing guide at Lake Texoma. Uh last summer I was at Lake Texoma used the same fishing guide had my picture taken in front of that same area I wasn't wearing an OAN shirt and I'm not a football coach but that's a little I guess 6 degrees of separation between Mike Gundy and myself
0: Yeah and and the other the other difference that you didn't point out was you also didn't have the flowing mullet
1: That's true yeah I did not have the flowing mullet which uh that's a completely different topic all <laughs> in itself with my gunny for sure. Uh, we're going to move on and and talk actually a little bit more about Oklahoma State kind of. I mean, it's all of a sudden the Oklahoma State show, uh, but this is uh, in reference to TBT, the basketball tournament. We talked about how the the tournament's not going to Wichita; it's going to Columbus, Ohio for this summer's uh, tournament. And the Wichita State team, the Aftershocks, will not be playing in it. Uh, Self Made, which is the uh, alumni team from the University of Kansas, they're not playing in it. However, Oklahoma State, they have an alumni team called the Stillwater Stars. They actually added two Jayhawks to the roster. Tyshawn Taylor and Nadir Tharp will be joining the Stillwater Stars uh, to play in this summer's TBT in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the overall roster of the players even without the two Jayhawks on it. It's a pretty stacked team, man.
0: I tell you what I was actually kicking myself because I had, I was thinking this last week. I, I had obviously been kind of looking through a lot of the, the TBT stuff as we've talked about it over the last couple, couple weeks. And I was just looking at the Stillwater uh, roster and I thought, man, they actually have a pretty good squad, especially, I mean, they're, the way the college program has gone is kind of built pretty well to be able to put a TV team together because they they've had high quality players, a lot of them kind of being tweeners that didn't ever actually make it to the NBA, so kind of had that opportunity to come back. I mean, you talk about Markel Brown, Phil Forte, um, Lebron Nash, and then adding Nadir Tharp and, and Tyshawn Taylor, man, I, you know, I re- really do think this is a very good squad that uh, has a chance to to really w- probably win the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And don't forget about Lindy Waters as well, you oh, know, yeah, on the roster. Right. I mean, that, that kid can, can shoot like crazy. Phil Forte has got to be about 47 years old now. <laughs> I mean, he, he's kind of like the Perry Ellis of Oklahoma state. Like the guy, just th- his name just haunts me because I felt like he played in Stillwater for like 13 years. Um, but, uh, but no, it's a, it's a stacked team. Um, I didn't, I really wasn't Probably going to watch the tournament, and I don't know if I will. But if I do, I definitely have a team now uh, because not only are these some great players uh, from Oklahoma State, but the fact that they added Tyshawn Taylor and Nadir Tharp—that's uh, that's pretty cool in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to circle back around real quick on Phil Forte because I don't. Do you remember Keaton Page before Phil Forte? I think that's why we all—that's why we all feel like Phil Forte was there for 15 years because Keaton Page <laughs> and Phil Forte were the same human being. I swear <laughs> they were. And uh, I was actually kind of disappointed when I looked through this roster, saw Phil Forte and didn't see Keaton Page, just kind of hoping the two of them would uh, be out there. But I mean, between him and Lindy Water shooting the three ball and then Lindy just obviously being off a of college season, he you know, he's got to still be in really great shape. Um, With yeah. Probably, you know, I mean, some of these guys I get play overseas and this and that, but um, he'll probably be one of the, the more, you know, in shape season or basketball ready guys out there.
1: Yeah, this team might, you know, drop 130 points a game. I mean, I, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there because, I mean, there are definitely some shooters on that squad for sure. Uh, so that's going to be happening this summer, TBT, uh, the Stillwater Stars, with the addition of a couple of Jayhawks. Speaking of Jayhawks, want to give a quick shout out. We're not going to talk about them a lot uh, on, on the show because we're kind of running short on time. But a, a big shout out to former Jayhawk and Topeka native Gary Woodland. Uh, the, the U.S. Open typically uh, is kicking off right about now uh, and running through far. Father's Day weekend, it's been postponed, obviously due to COVID. But it was a year ago when Gary Woodland won his first major tournament, won the U.S. Open last year. That was a, a great scene to watch, and uh, and he was uh, in contention for most of the weekend at the Charles Schwab Challenge last weekend. He's in the field for the RBC Heritage as well. And an interesting note about Gary Woodland uh, that I, I heard during the broadcast last weekend: he's dropped he dropped twenty five pounds during quarantine, which he was already. I felt like pretty fit to begin with. He looked pretty skinny, but he looked good. I mean, he looked really kind of toned and and slender. So uh, he dropped 25 pounds in quarantine, and I think I probably put on 10. Uh, So Gary Woodman's definitely got me beat in more ways than one.
0: He did the uh, reverse, Bryson to Chambo, who everybody was talking about putting on twenty five, probably or whatever. Whatever he did, he's all beefed up now. But um, gotta gotta love the the, the Jayhawk and, and to be Kansas native, Gary Woodland, and uh, he he booms the ball, doesn't he? Doesn't? He hits the, he drives it deep, right?
1: Yeah, he does. He That's, hits the ball a long way. So. My, my question to you is, you know, he's obviously got one major under his belt. Uh, he's a he's a young guy. I mean, he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. If you had to guess, I'm going to put you on the spot. How many more majors does Gary Woodland win?
0: Mm, I'm going to say one. They're just tough to okay. win. I mean, you know, I, I mean, he's t- uber talented. I think he's going to have success for another you know 10 15 years kind of whatever that peak window is for golfers um but boy majors are just so hard to win you know it's so i don't know maybe one maybe two i don't what what do you think
1: Well, I've always thought the U S open is the most difficult out of all the majors. And you know, that you can't get used to one course, like you can at the masters Uh, you you play the most difficult golf courses that are set up in the most difficult ways around the country. Um, You know? And, and and so I think that that's, I think that that, I think the fact that he won the U S open last year, means that i think that he can win it again and i think he might be able to win you know one more so i'm going to say he maybe wins two more majors over the course of his career but he's definitely got a bright future uh not to cut off the conversation about gary woodland but i do want to point out this is actually breaking as we are on the air recording the show and it relates back to our conversation a little bit ago uh there are now eight K-State athletes that have tested positive for COVID-19. So that report just came down. I just got a notification on my phone uh, from KWCH in Wichita. So uh, Kansas State Athletics Wednesday night confirmed that uh, eight student athletes have tested positive for COVID-19. They've tested about 130 athletes uh, now, uh, but it looks like there are eight Uh, And earlier reports say that at least four of the eight athletes are football players. So there's no confirmation as of right now, if any more of them are actually football players or maybe other athletes. But still, I guess I'll just ask you really quick. Does that change your viewpoint at all about what's going on in Manhattan?
0: No. And I mean, I hate to use the word good, but, you know, it's better that it's happening now than in, you know, September or or late August. Um, You know, folks kind of and really it gives K-State the opportunity to figure out right now how you know how do they want to handle this it's not like they can kind of put it off and and say well we're not you know we don't have any they're not no rush to kind of figure out the the plans when it does happen that you know they're kind of being forced in that position of saying hey we got to figure this out now what do we want to do what are we going to do moving forward so maybe it's um you know that's kind of the silver lining maybe in the fact that we've we've got a few players here testing positive
1: Yeah. So that's breaking news actually, you know, happening right now. I think that's the first time that's happened on this show, uh, as eight K state athletes have now tested positive for COVID-19. We'll make sure to keep you posted, uh, as this story develops, let's get into our Wichita whip around right now. There is actually baseball happening in Wichita. Now it's not minor league baseball. It's not the wind surge. We still have no idea what's going to happen with that. Probably unlikely that there's going to be any kind of season, uh, for them. However, like I said, there is baseball, the sunflower collegiate league, uh, uh, is in place. It's happening now at X Stadium on the campus of Wichita State University. The first games happened on Tuesday, uh, and and there are a lot of pretty high caliber players that are playing in this league. And actually, several of them uh, are baseball players at Wichita State playing for area teams. There are s- uh, some pretty strict guidelines for fans who are wanting to attend the games. They have to wear masks. Uh, they have to be socially distant uh, during the course of the game, uh, but I guess that in some in, in in some you know weird twisted way, I think that's worth it to be able to just be, to be able to watch baseball again uh, in Wichita. Your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially just being you know outdoors watching a sporting event i mean that's even different than just you know watching baseball on tv but t- to be there i think it definitely brings a-, a level of normalcy that we just have not had in m- in months now I will say i was kind of looking at some of these guidelines and, and one of the ones that is one of the ones they have is no more than 10 people are allowed to sit together which i to some degree i kind of don't understand that it's assuming that they're you know groups showing up that are together i mean if they're if, if 12 people are going to hang out at the house you know someone's house and then come over to the, to the game why shouldn't they be able to, to sit together they've already put themselves together and i guess maybe it's just maybe x stadium feeling like they're not encouraging that behavior i, I don't know but to me it kind of like if you're going to show up with with 15 people you know why wouldn't you be able to just sit, sit together you've already been exposing each other to whatever y'all have
1: I think it's great that there are these Wichita State players that are able to have some kind of baseball season this summer. You know, their season at Wichita State was cut short. And let's not forget that Wichita State was off to a really, really good start. I mean, they were, I think, 13-2 and two when the season was called. Eric Wedge, you know, the new coach at Wichita State – really had it looked like had a positive start some really positive momentum and then it was just all completely you know cut short and went away so now you've got these players that are actually they're able to play some baseball this summer it's probably not ideal for them but at the same time they're getting their reps in they're getting the games in you know they're getting the conditioning in Uh, I think that's going to be pretty helpful for the Wichita State program moving forward knowing that at least a handful of the players are getting a chance to play some competitive baseball this summer.
0: Uh, so two things one I agree with you two I apologize I got distracted by our third ever guest on the show and I know this is probably bad podcasting but again great YouTube (laughs) our third ever guest right here is my my dog Miley (laughs) Miley Uh, She's recovering from ACL surgery, so I I apologize. I got got distracted by her coming up and and licking me in the middle of of what you're talking, so I felt like I had to let the listeners know what was going on.
1: Hey, she's got an open invitation. She can be a guest whenever she wants. That's fine by me.
0: She's got several Chiefs jerseys, I think a Royals jersey and a Jayhawk jersey, so she'd be set for for any podcast we needed her for.
1: That's awesome. So that's our Wichita whip around today is the Sunflower Collegiate League uh, is in action at X Stadium uh, with several area teams in action, including uh, some players from Wichita State University. We're going to wrap up the show with our finally funny. We're talking about another sport that uh, is making some adjustments and and some changes in the world of the coronavirus, and that's the NBA. So it looks like as of right now, it looks like the NBA has a plan to restart their season and to finish it up. And it all has to do with Disney World, I suppose. You know more about it than I do. I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I know that there are some things in there that are a little bit humorous as far as their plan is concerned.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I saw, it was uh, Shams. I I always screw up his last name, but for anybody who follows the NBA, you know, the insider Shams uh, tweeted that they're going to have set up a NBA is going to create an anonymous hotline to report potential violations of protocols in Orlando, which (laughs) I think creates for very, I mean, one, I think the visual of, you know, Take a just, you know, someone the size and stature of Dwight Howard or something calling an anonymous hotline to report that one of his teammates, you know, ventured off to arrest to to the Applebee's, you know, two parking lots over. I think it's just a funny thought, uh, let let alone, but also just thinking about these players, knowing that they're probably going to be fairly bored, I would think, you know, from their normal lavish lifestyles that they live and kind of being quarantined in this bubble. I can't imagine some prank calls happening. And, uh, you know, the same kind of shenanigans that you, I kind of think of it back to your, you know, your summer basketball team and what all your teammates did when you were off on a weekend tournament or, or you and your college buddies, that kind of that same kind of shenanigans. I just picture some of these NBA players doing, which uh, creates for pretty interesting, uh, thought process.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny to me that, you know, you've got these guys that are are millionaires for the most part, you know, and they're grown men. Now they're playing a sport, but they're grown men and all of these protocols are in place for them that they have to follow and they have to live in this bubble. And then if they if, if they see anybody doing anything wrong, they have to call the hotline and report it. And it it does. It just seems very elementary school to me. It seems very summer camp ish i would suppose um and i would i think it would be awesome if they had like former nba players come in and, and they were like the the ras of the dorms you know <laughs> or they were like the hall monitors yeah. like they have to like they're in charge of these players you know i just think that'd be really funny that's not going to happen but i think what would be even great and the nba might be missing a huge opportunity here is to turn this into a reality show like put Absolutely. cameras in these hotels, film it, put it on TV, because I think the world wants to know what it's going to look like in that NBA quarantine bubble.
0: The NBA markets their players better than any other league anywhere, I think. And so I think this definitely will lend to some incredible content outside of the basketball that they're going to put on the floor. I am i I consider myself, you know, a, I like the NBA, but it's not one of my favorite, but I am very excited to see really, I mean, let alone the the product they're actually putting on the floor to all the shenanigans that happen at the hotel. I think it's going to be a fun couple of months with the NBA.
1: I'm not sure I've ever said this on record on this show. Uh, so this might be the first time I've actually ever came out and said this. I hate the NBA. I've always, <laughs> not, I don't want to say I've always hated it. I've hated it for probably the last my adult life i liked it when i was a kid i don't like it now uh, i think it's less about the sport and more about the spectacle which i'm not a huge fan of um but but that being said uh it's kind of like you and golf like if there's Some kind of sporting event on I'll watch it at this point now Um, But some of the other more bizarre things About this whole bubble plan uh, At Disney World for the NBA uh, I know that Kyrie Irving Is not a fan of the proposal It sounds like he's tried to rally players Against the plan Even telling them that they could start their own league Which seems a little far-fetched to me But that's one of the things Then the other thing I want to point out too And I'll get your thoughts on both uh, Is that I read a report that Disney may actually Let the players watch unreleased movies that the rest of the general public has never seen and may may never see, like unreleased Marvel movies and things like that, just so they have things to do. It's just, it's crazy that we're talking about that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. uh, And really, especially with Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's, been on record and I think he's changed it since been on record believing that the earth is flat. So it's not, it, you know, it's not too crazy to think that he's not going to be in on this bubble idea and trying to think that he could come up with his own uh, basketball league that would compete with the NBA. But uh, all in all, I, I, like I said, I'm very excited to see all the content that comes out of this. I think it'll be good. And and ultimately kind of wrapping in with multiple things we've talked about throughout the, the show I'm just glad that we are really starting to put some normalcy back in front of us you know we're going to get some basketball it looks like we're going to get some baseball we're at least still talking about football like we are so close to being back to to the the, the normal world of sports that we used to know
1: And we just hope that it stays that way, right? right? right. I mean, again, this whole thing is fluid, so who knows uh, what's going to happen. That's our finally funny for the day, and that's going to be our show uh, for this episode of Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to hit subscribe. You'll be notified whenever a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games drops. Again, you can listen to us on all major podcast publishers out there, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, many others out there. Anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Keeper of the Games. You can also go to our website, cogpod.weebly.com. Again, I don't know why you'd want to. We don't really have a whole lot there, but if you really wanted to, you could definitely check it out. We wanna, we're want to. we going to populate uh, that, that website more uh, as the days go on, but it's cogpod.weebly.com. Uh, of course, you can watch full episodes on YouTube and Facebook just by searching for Keeper of the Games. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. And by the way, just a, a, again, a special thanks to our sponsor, Title Boxing Club at 21st and Rock Road. Uh, check them out on Facebook, online. You can find out about uh, their new promotion it includes a 90 day unlimited pass and free hand wraps as well. That's Title Boxing Club at 21st and Rock Road. Don't forget you can also follow us individually. Weston, what is your Twitter handle?
0: Uh, before I give you that, I will add real quickly. i We do try to stay up to date on getting the, the YouTube link posted on our website. So if that's just an easier way for you to find the YouTube videos, that is there. But like Tommy said, other than that, not a lot of content. <laughs> uh, follow me at w uh, w mills ninety four on Twitter
1: i was being a little facetious yeah. about the website well, just, we definitely want people to go there so. for sure just wanted people to, uh, to know yeah.
0: what's up there
1: sure. uh cogpod.weebly.com again that's our all our url and of course you can follow me on twitter at tweets from tommy until next time for weston mills i'm tommy caster you've been listening to keeper of the games take care guys You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download and listen on all major
0: podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cog Pod. That's K-O-G Pod.